Clean contact. I hit it again because that shot was a defining moment. And when a defining moment comes along, you define the moment. Or the moment defines you. Hello and welcome to the Golf Practice Podcast. My name is Andy Hayes, and we are here for part three of Donahue's Five Lessons: Take Dead Aim. Pete, let's let's just get right into it. All right, let's do it. Um, take dead aim is a is a phrase that um, golf enthusiasts uh, that uh, have read uh, Harvey Penick's little red book would would certainly be able to to know because this was one of his you know lessons. Don't don't just be stand up there and wave at something and wish for, you know, take dead aim at what you, what you're looking at, what you want. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, uh, there's a story in the Zen uh, tradition about the, you know, the master and the student fishing and the spear fishing and the student is having a problem hitting the fish. And, uh, and the master says, well, what are you aiming at? And he said, well, I'm, of course I'm aiming at the fish. Mm-hmm. And the master says, well, are you aiming just at at that figure that goes from his nose to his tail? Or are you aiming at his head? Or are you aiming at his eye? Um, and in golf, that's like, are you standing in the fairway, you know, just hoping to launch one up there by the green, or do you have the green as the thing that you're targeting, or do you have something as specific as a flag? Maybe not where the flag is, but when you're setting your own target, is it as specific as a stick? Uh, and so that's one of the things, uh, that, that it, that it means, um, and I, I would say that uh, targeting itself is a very interesting, um, a very interesting subject in golf because um, how you, whether you look at you know big targets or small targets, we you may find that your reaction to those targets emotionally, you know, is different. One would think that perhaps you know a very Maybe, you know, you love specific targets and that might make you feel really focused. On the other hand, it may make you feel really nervous mm-hmm. and anxious about, you know, the fact that um, this is such a demanding thing and you can't possibly accomplish that rather than, hey, it's just a possibility mm. that you could hit the flag. It's not a demand. Sure. You know, and and, and, and how do you best get into uh, your... Uh, yourself you know when you're going to hit the shot and and put yourself in the best chance to succeed so if you if you're better holding the target this way or this way then find that out and utilize it um the other thing i think that taking dead aim and targeting means is um you know what is your your real intention you know how how intentional are you ab- about things, and and that uh, to me is is like if you say you're going to get something done, like hey, I'll call you, mm-hmm. 
you know, how intentional on a scale of one to 10 are you in that moment? Are you really going to make that happen? Or is that like, yeah, okay, maybe if I do, maybe if I don't, that's not so bad. Mm-hmm. And it also bears then on your attention, like as you're, you set that target, as you're standing there, how, uh, how focused are you? Are you distracted by other things that, that are happening on, on, the po- on something out in the future, like what happens if I fail, or are you worried too much about the past, uh, you know, the bad shot that you hit on the last hole, um, that kind of thing. What would you say your, your like, intention is for your golf game, right, like, at this point in your life? My intention for my golf game uh, is to um, yeah, that's a that's a good that's I'm glad you asked the question because I think that that I, I guess I have I haven't really um, set my intention to become a great champion. Uh, I, what I want to f- discover is uh, I want to create in myself is. Um, you know, a, a, a powerful uh, golfing athlete from, you know, the left side uh, of the ball. And, um, and I'm, uh, and, and I guess by powerful, I, I, I really mean someone who can manipulate the golf club, who can create power, and who has feel. Um, and um, and I'm on a, on a journey towards that. And part of my uh, intention, I guess my intention would be defined in again the triangle of learning, performance, and enjoyment. I mean, I'm I'm just as as interested in the learning part of it. Like, well, how, what does it take to to be able to develop coordination in your in some aspect of your game, um, you know, does it take um, these five points that we're talking through today? Is there are there other things involved? But I just overheard Chris uh, down below giving a lesson, and uh, he said something to his student uh, as they as they went through uh, the first let's say, stage of their lesson today. And so what they did was they, dis- they found and refound the, uh, the motions and the cues that the student was looking for, that they had been practicing on. And Chris said to him, at this point now that we've identified that, you need to do what's necessary to get this to a place of automaticity, you know, like, it just happens that we, we don't need to find it. We don't need to spend 10 minutes finding it, that you'd have access to it, you know, so such that you could play golf. Well, you know, I started to think to myself, what is involved, you know, in that? And I was going to ask you, you know, what you were working on and how long it had taken you to create some coordination that you were looking for and what you thought was ahead of you in order to get to that point. And, you know, it's... Well, you're still in the hot seat, so you can't, you can't, can't ask me that, you? that yet. Um, when I see... 
people practice, some people are very kind of regimented and it's like, well, like the way Lexi comes in and practices, like, you know, will be 20 minutes putting, 20 minutes chipping. And she has like kind of the same drills that she goes through every single time she's in here practicing. When I watch you practice, I don't see you do that. What? How would you describe the way you go about your practice? Um towards this like learning golf left-handed well i would say that um that um that i you know i exercise uh, myself as an athlete that's part of what i'm doing and i break down the movements that i'm going for like for instance right now i'm going after a pelvic movement the the pelvic movement in in the swing from the back swing to the transition, to the impact and follow through, and for me, it's a, a it's a different pelvic movement than what I've you know drilled myself all my life. There's more you know if you were if you were um, you know in a, on all fours and you were kind of rolling your your the low back or your butt you know mm-hmm. sticking it up in the air and arching your back or rolling your your pelvis in the other direction and tucking your butt under. Um, what I'm looking for is something that that more rolls your butt under. Um, that's a that's a better pelvic alignment than what I normally uh, have done, yeah. and which has caused me pain and and uh, and limited my rotational ability and my strength. And so this is, it's not a natural thing by any means. It's not, it's not at a place right now where it's even remotely ready for prime time. But what I'm doing with it is exercising it on its own through things that I'm doing with that look more like yoga or gym exercises. And then I'm, um, I'm doing it in a in golf posture and just looking for a fluidity and a and a sequence very slowly, uh, you know, from backswing to then kind of squat and then rotation uh, into impact and up, um, you know, into a follow through position, and then I uh, I'm you know trying to coordinate that with with an arm swing, but. Um, and both uh, both those things, I would say, the arm swing or what I call striking, and the pelvic move or what I call hurling, um, in my mind, are both like in uh, formative stages right now, and really not really ready to be uh, integrated. Uh, and so, um, so uh, I I I take I break my practice down into. Uh, into that that kind of an exercise, and then I um, I do enjoy with whatever I've got swinging a golf club and trying to create you know a powerful flail with it. So so I do that, and I kind of check in with different parts of me and see how things are going, and uh, and it's fun. I enjoy it. I enjoy, you know, when I'm able to hit one dead solid perfect, it's it's wonderful. And I, I get some feels that I say, dude, I can do this. Um, and then uh, I mix that up with, um, with short game focus, which I find is uh, 
You know, when I started off, one of the, not started off, but in one stage of my life, Percy Boomer, uh, who was a great um, teacher, golf teacher from England, um, and his, uh, and this was many years ago, back in the early uh, 20th century, and, and Boomer wrote a great classic uh, called On Learning Golf, and um, and his philosophy was one pattern for all strokes, putt as you drive. And so I, I played in practice as a student for, in that manner for many years, but now I, I start to see how, you know, there's a similarity, but then there are also differences, you know, mm-hmm. but, and, uh, and there are differences in, in hitting delicate pitches and chips than, than what's involved in hitting a launch swing. And so, so I enjoy exploring that. And what that does for me uh, is it, uh, it relaxes my mind, you know, that I'm not, uh, I'm not doing a marathon session on one thing unless I'm really engaged. I mean, I'll let, you know, if I'm engaged in it, I'll, I'll keep going. Uh, but if my mind is, is restless, I'm not, or anxious, uh, then I'm not, uh, I don't fight that. You know, I, I simply let, I simply have as, as focused and as productive an experience of practice as I can have, and then I move to something else, and I let my mind relax on that. How do you think, you know, golfers should, should balance that, um, kind of what you're talking i i kind of practice the same way as you as like i follow my like my interest and make it productive as long as i can and then when it stops it's like well okay that's fine go do something else um how would you but because i think that's where like the best learning takes place is when you're actually interested in it and you find see it with students all the time it's like we have them you know chipping just basic chip shots and the kid isn't hitting anywhere near his ability and it becomes clear that oh he's just not that interested in what we're doing and so it's like let's go find something that they are interested in and then we can go from there um and they you know end up doing much better how how would you balance kind of the need for maybe like regimented drills in in your practice and and then kind of following your your interest like do you think people can be organized enough to do that, or do they need more structure? Well, you know, I, I do think that that uh, that you need to have structure or form. Um, I think form to me, and I and this is where you know exercise for me and just doing physical exercise has been and continues to be a revelation and it continues to be a teacher because I, I start to see that my uh, I keep learning more from my teacher about form and generally speaking the form is a, is about function why would you uh, uh, you know as a for instance I'm, I'm doing an exercise in which I I load or balance over one leg and um, and uh, pull the pelvis back and then shorten the ab muscles on that side of my body so to, to collapse the diaphragm uh, 
and so that sure. my breath goes into other parts of my lung other than the belly and thereby you know starts to mobilize my rib cage and my spine and um, and I've discovered that there are funny ways that I've been cheating the exercise and partly it is that I didn't the whole thing wasn't laid out to me from the very beginning that that the, my teacher is laying it out for me as I'm asking him questions about it and the most recent question was really about something as subtle as how I'm actually lifting my opposite foot off the ground and how I was doing it before was was not had a profound impact on the efficacy of the exercise and so so it's not enough just to do the exercise with the notion that you're going to count off the required number of reps that you're going for. Mm-hmm. Your focus really has to be in, in being mindful and present to the experience of the exercise as you're doing the rep right now. The most important thing is doing the, the, the repetition with the best form and focus that you can bring to it. And if you're mentally exhausted by that after one rep, then I think you, you should take a rest <laughs> until... But, you know, sure. it's to bring yourself with the intention, you know, taking dead aim at what your your desire yeah. is. And like that being is, very present. Yeah. And to be very and, effective. Yeah. To be mm-hmm. very effective for as long as you can be. So I find, you know, as a, f- for instance, that, you know, like you're, you were talking about the, the, the spooks that your mind comes up with, uh, you know, on the golf course about, you know, past sure. experiences with this situation. And what I find is something similar. And that is that when I find my mind, um, you know, restless or wanting to get out of doing something like, a disciplined drill. Mm-hmm. I mean, just even the yeah. two words it together. Sounds horrible cause, to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it just causes me chills. I realize that what that is is something invisible that I that I'm real. I really don't see very well. That that I I don't like this feeling of confusion. That I want to get away from it. Uh, and so so I started today to, uh, as a matter of fact, in this subject of how I'm taking the golf club, you know, back or how the club feels in my hands with this new grip that I'm trying to, to develop with it, um, uh, that I, I didn't, uh, that I need a, a better way to look at this. And I need, first of all, to know that the confusion that I'm facing right now, if I, if I stay with it, is going to be clarified. And it may be, you know, if I sleep on it and come back to it later in the day um, or if I, when I wake up, you know, tomorrow and come in. Well, how do I know this? Because I keep experiencing it over and over again. So I become more confident in what we'll call the process. If, if your mind and body is a processor, then just stay with it. Keep it. Mm-hmm. Keep the instructions simple and focused and don't don't confuse it don't obfuscate what's going on with emotional stuff or discouragement um and and if you feel discouragement or frustration then that those two things are stoppers 
you know, there's some things I find, you know, in, in practice, in the practice of golf that move you, that are movers, and there are some things that are stoppers. And you need to learn how to handle. You need routines to learn how to handle stoppers. And so a big part of practice is uh, is studying and discovering and discussing with other people routines for handling stoppers. And, um, and you know... I would say frustration and discouragement are big. Bigs, yeah. So you had a question for me before I cut you off. What what were you asking? You're what asking I was working on. To, Sorry. Oh yeah, no. What were about you? What, well, like, you know, you I mean? mean, you you know, I know that as a for instance, um, the uh, the things that uh, that you've been applying. Um, in your um, in your in your swing motion, like the way that you turn back into mm-hmm. the backswing, the way you transition into the downswing, the way you you know your your body pulls your arms you know th- through the the hitting area, and all these things are specific exercises, mm-hmm. um, you know, and so. Uh, if you were to have defined, hey, you know, last week or last month I was going after this and I did this and I produced this, mm-hmm. you know, what, what, uh, how would I describe, define yeah, how would it or de- measure how it? How would you describe it? Yeah. Um, it's kind of interesting. I guess I would say two years for, you know, maybe it's a year and a half, like, since I started going through George Gankus's program and like learning, kind of like remaking my swing, using my legs more. Before I didn't really use my legs at all. I didn't have any notion of what the club face was. I just grew up playing, like just playing lots of golf and not so much practice. So I was able to like score pretty well with, you know, less than optimal shots, which, you know, that's fine. Um, so. It added a lot of, you know, just like, and even just like trying some ideas very generally of like just getting my hands high and using my legs on the way down, like probably added like 10 or 15 yards of distance with an iron, just like just trying that. And so I was like, oh, there's probably something to this. So then I kept going more and more in depth. Um, It's it's still the hardest thing for me is like finishing my turn in the backswing because I like... If I turn back all the way, I kind of lose sight of the ball, and and it freaks me out a little bit. I can see it, but I like to be, you know, I feel really good with, like, a pitching wedge. I can just stare at the ball the whole time. Um, So I've been trying to do some shots with my eyes closed to work on that, but that's kind of a side side story. I feel like I now have, like, a good handle on what I'm trying to do, but now my, my brain is filled with too many swing thoughts. So that's what I asked you about the other day. I was like, I need, I need something, something. And you, you had the idea from um, one off, who's the Feldenkrais. Feldenkrais. And you're like, what's the easiest way you, you could move? And you like pointed up and your hand up to the sky, and it turned your hips and shoulders exactly how I'm trying to. And so that's kind of been the thought in my head uh, lately of just like, how can I make this easier? How can I? actually be like less technical at the same time i've been going through gankus i've been reading lots of like michael hebron and shoemaker 
and those guys seem to be much more i don't know less less about technique i i know I, I have a how would you describe the, their methods well no i would say that's right i would say that uh uh i would i would say that although i haven't you know i've i haven't tuned back into shoemaker you know f for a, a long time so so i can't say that i know you know all, well, sure. all of what but what i know of fred is that that fred um fred's point of view was was like hey, let's pull your head out of your swing mechanics and look around at the world and realize that there's more than one way to skin a cat you know i mean yeah. we could be very creative with this shot but we tend to be very uh uncreative and kind of trapped in just like well this is it what i'm trying to do is mm -hmm. create the perfect swing with the club that's meant for this yardage yeah. and that's the way i'm going to make my golf game and so so fred is is more like let's let's get out of our bodies and our minds and get to the to the target and the ball and become fascinated with that and use what we know um, at what I'll call an intuitive level about the face of the club and about how to move our body mm -hmm. and and just create and react to the image of the ball flight that we're that we're looking for and and Hebron I think is is similar in that in that. Um, you know, I think Mike uh, wanted to be, um, first of all, precise in the truth. Yeah. As he saw it, you know. Yeah, about he used to be like very technical. And I think Hank Haney has like a quote saying Hebron knows more about golf swing than anyone else. And then he kind of changed his ways. You know, I mean, it, it's, uh, it's, it's the way that a lot of, you know, real ardent students go you know um they say that um you know that uh, you, you know you would learn all of this stuff i think it was the romantic poets that said you know you you start off innocent and then you you take yourself out and you learn all the things about how to do this and mm -hmm. all the philosophy and the theory and the know-how about it and then finally you come full cycle and see if you can you know, start creating out of that innocence again. You know, with uh, in in light of all of the skills yeah. that you've developed, and so I think that that Hebron re represents that. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think Mike was the one to, uh, you know, back uh, in the in around 1990 uh, when he got the uh, international, the first international teaching and coaching summit together. I think Mike's thought at the time was uh, to uh, go against what was uh, popular belief, uh, which was represented in people like Bob Tosky and the Golf Digest, who said, hey, the body follows the arms, you know, the, and Hebron uh, studied it and, 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 and with uh, all the righteousness of, you know, of a... Of a prophet you know said hey listen the science says that the inside swings the outside mm -hmm. you know that's the hurling action of the body that creates the the whip not and so yeah. you know then what does all that mean you know i think we argued over 
over stuff for years like uh, psychologists and philosophers do, and there were a lot of word arguments and yeah. know, distinctions to be made. And finally, I think we get to the substance of it. And, and I believe the substance of it is you need to be a more more of, of two minds at the very least to learn golf and to play golf. You need to be able to shift minds mm-hmm. and to you know be able to put your mind in your feet and to be able to put your mind out at the target, to be able to put your mind in the club head, putting friction mm-hmm. on the ball. And, uh, you know, the more you can use your imagination along with your, you know, your knowledge, then um, you start to, you don't get stale, mm-hmm. you know, and tense. I think when you, when you stay rigidly on one line of thinking that there's a there's a natural tendency for that to develop into rigidity or tension. And so the being light enough on your feet so to speak to um to know when when it's a good time to shift your focus to to bring out more in yourself mm-hmm. uh or bring yeah. yourself back to balance. Yeah, I'm really I just interested in the parts of their books that um just talk about like the way humans learn and how, you know, the way, you know, people teach golf and teach other things, especially kind of in America, just isn't the most helpful way. Like swing thoughts and ideas. And they, he ta- Hebron talks about how like vi- he likes to use mirrors more than video because some, you know, has someone studied like how do people actually learn? Like, is it helpful for them to see their swing on video and compare it to Tiger Woods' swing? And he's like, well, if you're thinking he says that gets them thinking about too specific about positions their swing should be in and actually doesn't, isn't as helpful as like broad concepts or broad ideas like hands high or turned shoulder. So I'm trying to, I guess in my own swing, but also in my like coaching as well, like incorporate a little bit more of that. And it seems to be helpful. I guess that's maybe where my aim is going a little bit. Um, it's hard though. I mean, those, they're, I can tell why their their books like aren't that popular because or maybe not anymore because they don't give you that like the way George Gankis talks is he's so sure about everything and like this is the right way and it's like this this is the way to do it and blah 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 and they're kind of just like well the way that everyone does it isn't exactly the best and they kind of just leave you with that which is a very kind of like deconstructionist view which is like which i'm okay with and i like it and it's kind of is like you're deconstructing what's there and then that sort of opens up the possibility for for what could be yes um well i think that uh, and and that's but that's uh your your thoughts are very much uh parallel to where mine are i mean but sometimes when you talk to people and you in there looking for help they're uh they they want answers Mm -hmm. and uh you know when we started uh the academy you know way back when in the 80s uh you know we followed that kind of their their kind of thinking to Mm -hmm. the nth degree we didn't give people answers we gave them tools to to find their own answers and like, a do you have lot an example of, them, of that? Like, uh, yes, I would say uh, you know how how tight should I hold the golf club? Hmm. So what we did was we built a scale, and we 
you know, move the club with your hands swinging as tight as you could hold them and then swinging so sure. loose that the club would flute in your fingers mm-hmm. and, um, and then built a scale of what would be halfway between one and ten. Mm-hmm. What would be halfway between five and one, halfway between five and ten, and then half and half and half until you had a distinct scale that you could squeeze up and develop your own number for what your best grip pressure was or you know uh finding being able to uh find straight swing path you know was between swinging a ribbon club out to the right and swinging Mm -hmm. a ribbon club over to the left and finding out well which side was easier for you and then recognizing that the side you're not as good at is the side you ought to get good at because mm-hmm. once you do then you have range real range sure. of motion and choices and so uh does that answer your question yeah so that's what we did and some people just hated it just don't like it yeah yeah so so uh when someone is coming and what bugs them is that they they they're lost and mm-hmm. confused telling them that uh Showing them that there's a road for them to walk down and that, mm-hmm. that will lead them there is they're looking for hope. They're not looking for more questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get it. Yeah. So I think you have to know. I think, I think what we missed at that time was we knew what the good medicine was mm-hmm. and we were going to give it to everybody. But we didn't. We weren't really holistic doctors because we weren't accounting for the fact that their mind was plagued. And that's what yeah. they're real. They're real, and and so in the in the uh, uh, saying that comes from the Bible, I think it's mm-hmm. Ephesians. Uh, you know, first be a servant, then then a leader. Mm-hmm. And so you you have to you have to serve the the patient or the the student and and help them uh, get what they want before you can. Take them down these wonder these roads towards the heaven. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, that's really interesting to think about. Well, well. So, what would you say? Like, I had a student last night who was struggling. Let's just say they're struggling chipping. Their it's like their grip is bad. Their path is bad. Their their setup is kind of you know. There's like five different things that we could we could fix and. At first, I would even say like a year ago or maybe even six months ago, I, you know, it's like I'd go through all those things. Like we need to do this, then we need to do, the, we do this and this. And then they're able to stand in the motion and take the grip. But then it, it just takes away so much of their flow. Like they have no, they're thinking about all these different things. How are they? they and they can't hit the ball anymore. Um, I think it's so, it's easy. It's easy as an instructor or coach to point out those things. And, you know, everyone... There's tons of people who are good at it, but like how maybe this has to it's too specific to like one person, but like how would you speak to that kind of conundrum? Well, uh yes, yes. Uh you're I, I would say that that um I would say that that you know, when you're looking at somebody uh, you know, that that like you're talking about, you've got they either, you know, they're, they can't make contact with it, they can't direct it, or they're not powerful, or they don't have feel, or some, one of those three things. And so uh, 
for you have to see which one will have the greatest okay. impact. So start with on, one. Start start with, start with one. the one. I generally start with, you know, the contact. Sure. Like, you know, let's reach to the ball. Yeah. I mean, reaching to the ball is is the key deal. A lot of people call that setup. Well, mm-hmm. I don't think, you know, setup doesn't come before reach. Sure. You know, is it possible to stand too far away from it? Show me. Mm-hmm. How do you know? What what gives you the clue? If your eyes were closed, how would you know? Can you stand too close to it? And again, mm-hmm. how do you know? And now, so now what, you're teaching them something, or they're they're experience they're experiencing it. You're not just putting a an X on the ground and saying stand in this. Precisely, you you can have them put the X on the ground. Mm-hmm. You could have them, you know. Uh, put a piece of tape on their club, uh, you know, or, or that would indicate, you know, how far away it can be. But it really has to be what they're doing. And, and uh, But let's go back to that. Once they have, the, the once they've lived this basic discovery and decided for themselves pretty much, oh, I can find a, a a distance from the ball, which is, and how do I know? What am I looking for? Well, I'm... You know, if we swing through and we're, you know, too close to the ball and we're, you know, when you fall out of balance, mm-hmm. um, is, you know, yeah. falling out of balance, can you be consistent in striking the ball if you're falling? You know, right. well, yeah. most people, I think, would recognize, <laughs> no, they're not. Sure. And if they can't, you know, you, you find, um, you know, something else, some other common act which can help them to experience uh the importance of stability on the ground. Mm-hmm. And once they discover that, then now you have something. Got it. Wow. You know, which will... And so I think that that's... But, you know, I used to... I think I always... Uh, you know, as I as I started to learn and evolve out of the kind of coaching that you're talking about, which is essentially to read chapter and verse and feel like if, as long as you're showering them with the correct information, the fact that it's overloading their brains is really their problem, <laughs> not, yeah, sure. not yours. So when, when I started to come out of that, I, I tried to find uh, my mistake initially was to look for, oh, there must be a right answer to choosing which one of those three things, mm-hmm. directing the okay. ball, making solid contact and, and getting the, the appropriate force into it was the right thing. And then I, uh, I realized that that had to be fluid as well, you know, and that really needed to be more based on where, what, what itch they were looking to have scratched. Sure. And, um, you know, if I could, um, if I could show them the path between one of those three things and where they were going mm-hmm. and they agreed that that was would be a good first step then we had a well defined outcome that we were shooting for and we could both be aligned yeah. you know to that and and feel accomplished if we did something sure oh great um Oh Pete, do you have any you have any last thoughts on take dead aim? We've got a uh, no. I think hmm. uh, I think Andy. I think that that you know taking dead aim. I think that when you you know when uh, when when players start playing golf, what they're aiming at is the ball. 
very right. often, you know, if they're going for solid contact. Uh, not necessarily, though. You know, if they're missing it and they want solid contact, then their their target is the ball. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, it could be that their target is the launch, and mm -hmm. that is, you know, how the club face is interacting sure. with the ball at impact. Or it could be a window in space. Mm -hmm. Like you say, it's your tree that you're hitting over. Or it could be the final outcome. And those are all things. Or it could be you. You know, I want the target to be equanimity or ah. focus or sure. commitment. Um, you know, it. but whatever it is, take that aim. Yeah. Clean contact. I hit it again because that shot was a defining moment. And when a defining moment comes along, you define the moment. You put the moment.